The racial wealth gap in the United States is the disparity in median household wealth between the different races. This gap is most produced between white households and racial minorities. Whites have more wealth than black, Latino, and Native American households. On today's episode, we want to look at this racial wealth gap in the United States and see what are some key things that we can do to solve this and what are some key things we can do to implement ways to build our own wealth outside of depending on anyone else. My name is DJ Motri of the Black Equity Network, and welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. Welcome to another great episode of the Black Equity Podcast. And on today's episode, we continue our Black Future Month series where we dive into key ideas, talk with key people, and look at key events that are going to uh, take us into the future of our culture, our community, of our people. And I want to go ahead and just kind of address a few things. Within our community, within our tribes, or within our people, there are very different types of thinking. There's different types of tribes. There's different types of ways of doing things. Uh, A lot of times what our commonality is, is uh, our blackness. Uh, Some of the other things that our our commonality is, is our experiences, and the things that we've had to overcome because of uh, institutionalized racism, just to be quite frank with you. And so I know that many people listening to this, they come from different tribes within our community. Uh, I know a lot of uh, platforms, they kind of build something for one specific tribe of people, But what we try to do here on the Black Equity Podcast is look at, well, how do we benefit 
the the overall, the total, the 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 majority of the people that look like you and I, how do we talk to them on a broad sense? And so a lot of our topics are really for anyone uh, who understands and wants to build uh, generational wealth within our community. And so by doing that, by even understanding that, we're, we're taking on a huge responsibility on every episode to sit down and speak with you. At the end of this episode, I also want to make sure that you check out our second uh, installment of my experience working with MyMPU.org as we have gone into our second module uh, within the course. And that's for anyone who's interested in using uh, federal contracts to close this racial wealth gap. But before we can do that, we have to understand, well, what is the racial wealth gap? Well, let's look at a couple of different numbers here. And there was a recent report that came out that is going to be uh, something I want to study. But first, I want to look at what is the uh, racial wealth gap. So in 2014, the median net worth of non-Hispanic white households was $130,800, okay? The median net net worth of black households was $9,590. It was $17,530 for Hispanic households. Native American wealth has not even been measured since 2000. At that time, their median household net worth was just 5700 So just those numbers alone, the median net worth of a white household was 130000 That's the median. That's the average. So there's going to be a certain amount of people who are way above that and a certain amount of people who are beneath that. Okay? The median net worth of black households was $9,590. The median, that's the average. So there'll be some people who are above that, but there's actually some people who are less than that. That's $10,000 of net worth. Now, some people say, well, net worth is uh, something that is really hard to uh, use that to kind of gauge the value of something. And that I actually agree with that. But I do want to, at least in this situation, point out what does net worth mean? Net worth is the value of all the non-financial and financial assets owned by institutional unit or sector minus the value of its, of its outstanding liabilities. So you'll notice within the culture, people are talking about assets, they're talking about liabilities, and when you take away the liabilities from the assets, you have net worth. Okay? Now, if you are just coming into this series. This is part two. On our first installment of Black Future Month, we talked about acquiring, and we talked about how the difference between acquiring and buying. And one of those differences is when you acquire, you gain an asset. So hopefully you're starting to see, well, on this second installment, how it's building up on top of what we talked about on acquiring. So because we're looking at the racial wealth gap, And we're seeing that the median average for black households is $9,590. It is safe to assume 
that we, the majority, the median, the average individual within our community does not own enough assets. Now, if you want to know what those assets are, we talked about that on the previous episode. But it would it would seem to me that either we own a lot of assets and just double the liabilities or we just don't own enough assets or a mixture of everything, a mixture of both. Right. So I wanted to look at that because there's a recent article that has come out and I think it deserves our attention. Uh, before I get to that, before I get to a recent article that came out this week, I want to pose a question. A question that I would love for people who are listening to send us a message. Have you sat down and decided, well, what is my net worth? Is that even something that's important to you? For some, people believe that net worth doesn't really truly measure, um, you know, your true value. What really matters is how are you cash flowing? Because what ends up happening is you can have a huge net worth because you have things that are intangible. You know, you have things that you can't quickly turn into money. And so you have this huge net worth because of a house or something like that. But the actual house isn't actually bringing you any money. And it actually ends up being a liability more than anything else. So there are some arguments there. But my question to you would be, have you actually sat down to look at your net worth? Because in our community, they are saying that it's less the median average is less than $10,000 of net worth. So there's an article that comes out this week that catches my attention. It is entitled, and this is from Yahoo Finance, it says the TIAA CEO, Roger Ferguson, how to close the $1 trillion racial wealth gap. And so on this episode, I want to dive into this article and see what things that they're saying or what he's saying that we can do to improve our community. So this article comes out from Yahoo Finance from TIAA CEO Roger Ferguson, How to Close the $1 Trillion Racial Wealth Gap. And so I want to go over this and kind of dive into uh, some of the things that are being proposed and some of the things to look at. I think it's very important for us in this moment of time, to pay attention to the advice of, of people who are putting it out. It doesn't mean that they're right. There may be some wisdom inside of it, and there may not be. But I think it's good to stop and, and take a second to pay attention. This article was pushed out on February 4th, and it is written by Sibyl Marcellus. And it starts off by saying, Ferguson manages $1.3 trillion worth of assets as the CEO of TIAA, which provides investments and retirement plan services and is one of just four African-Americans at the helm of a Fortune 500 company. So I think this is very uh, important uh, for the Black Equity Podcast for us to take a second and say, okay, well, he's one of the four uh, African-Americans over a Fortune 500 company. Let's see, what does he have to say? What, what is his thoughts? And so the article continues and says the wealth gap in the U.S. has grown significantly from 1989 to 2016. The richest 10% of families with at least $1.2 million in net worth own 77% of the wealth in the U.S. 
So let's read that again. And I want to talk about that. The richest 10% of families with at least 1.2 million in net worth own 77% of the wealth in the U.S. Now, many people would say, well, how dare they? You know, how dare these people go out there, make this money and own all the wealth? What I would ask is, how do we become um, a, a part of that that group of people? How do we become a group of families that can own uh, a, a big chunk of wealth? How do we do that? So let's continue seeing what we can find. Uh, by contrast, families at the bottom half earning $97,000 or less own just 1%, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. So let's continue going down some of the advice that's given here. Uh, it says here, Ferguson offered a three-step approach to closing the racial wealth gap in an interview on Yahoo Finance's The Ticker. So go ahead and grab your pens, grab your paper, grab your pencil, and I'm going to break down what Ferguson offered as a three-step approach to closing the racial wealth gap. This is a topic that many platforms are not discussing, but in order for us to talk about black future instead of black past and, and black history, we have to look at things that are going to shift our community. So here's where, here's where we start off. It says, there's no closing the wealth gap without first addressing income inequality. First addressing income inequality. So that makes me take my notes out, write down income inequality, and make sure that I'm going to be studying that sometime in the future. But what do they say? It says, Ferguson said, and a big factor in income disparities is education. A big factor in income disparities is education. So those two, in his views, go hand in hand. So we're just on the first one. And the first thing that he says we should address is income inequality. And a big factor in income disparities is in education. Ferguson goes on to say, you've got to get to the place where African-Americans and minorities are not just getting into schools of higher education, colleges and universities, but they are completing. And this has been one of the major challenges, he says. We find that in America, over 60% to 70% of folks complete college. Uh, for African-Americans, it's only about 30 to 40%. So what are my thoughts on that? I agree with half of it. Now, once again, I'm not uh, a CEO of a 500, uh, Fortune $500 company. I'm not this guy. I may not have the credentials that he has, but I've been studying this subject for quite some time now. And as I'm paying attention, do I believe that income inequality has a significant part of this? Yes. Do I think raising the level of education is going to solve it? No. I don't think education uh, is the first step to this. I don't believe that. I believe in knowledge being the first step to this. But what he's talking about is institutionalized education. And I don't believe in that. I believe in self-education. I believe in learning, you know, financial literacy and learning it on your own. But I do not believe <laughs> completing some, you know, four-year degree or being a PhD is going to necessarily close the racial wealth gap. I don't, I don't believe that. 
Could it help in some you know, capacity? Sure. But overall, I don't think that is uh, a viable uh, answer. But once again, my job is to give you what the experts are telling you, and you can decide for yourself what you believe. Uh, so let's continue. Let's see what his second approach is. The second leg of Ferguson's approach is investing. We have to help African-Americans learn to diversify their asset pools. So the second leg of Ferguson's approach is investing. Hmm, where have we heard that before? Where have we heard that we need to be investing? I think we've been putting that out here now for over 270-something episodes. So you know it's going to be hard for me to disagree with uh, investing. But let's see why he says that. Okay, so the second leg of Ferguson's approach is investing. We have to help African-Americans learn to diversify their asset pools, he says. African-Americans tend to be much more focused in housing, tend to be less focused in things that drive greater wealth, such as equities. Huh. Did I hear the magic word of equity? (laughs) Oh, this is going to be a fun, fun uh, episode here. Improved financial literacy is the third part of Ferguson's solution. Hold on. So he's there already jumping to the third one being financial literacy. And I've already said that financial literacy is key. So it sounds like we're kind of in the same ballpark. I think we only disagree with the institutional education. But let's go back to the second point. Make sure you write this down. The second leg of Ferguson's approach is investing. We agree there. We have to help African Americans learn to diversify their asset pools. We agree there. African-Americans tend to be more focused in housing. We agree there. Tend to be less focused in things that drive greater wealth, such as equities. We agree there. I believe that when we read the definition of what the racial wealth gap was, it talked about uh, the median uh, the median net worth, and they put a lot of that in housing. And a lot of your social media influencers, your investing People that are from our community, remember, we all come from different tribes. A lot of the tribes come out of the the place of real estate. And they always use quotes like, you know, they're not making more land. <laughs> like, that's the go-to thing. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with real estate investing. I'm just simply saying it's not the only thing. And if you want to know what those other things are, we talked about it on the last episode. We broke down the different types of assets that you could go out and uh Choir. So now let's move to the third part of Ferguson's solution. He talks about improved financial literacy. He says that TIAA just released a personal finance index, a measure of the current state of financial literacy and financial wellness among African-American adults. We find that white Americans answer about 55 to 60 percent of the questions correctly. African-Americans only about 38 percent, said Ferguson. So they add a link here for the personal financial uh, index, and we will make sure that we put this link in the show notes, and you can decide where you are in their view in the financial literacy uh, space. I'll make sure we put that in the show notes. And once again, it's the financial literacy and wellness among African Americans, new insights from the personal finance index. I'll put that link in the description, and hopefully, we will be able Uh, to learn more about that. So let's get back to where we were. Uh, So there are folks who are not finishing college. They're not getting into managerial jobs. 
Uh, Ferguson said, we have folks who are not diversifying across all the asset classes, and we have folks who have a low degree of financial literacy. If we can tackle those three things, we can start over time to close this uh, wealth gap. Huh. So do I agree with this? I mean, on the on the basis, uh, Mr. Roger Ferguson brings up a great point. Uh, all this is true. And I think the biggest one is what we're investing in. I think that is key, you know, uh, investing more into businesses, learning to acquire businesses. I think that's going to be key as we move forward. Even what we were talking about on the last episode, where you can acquire you know, government contracts, acquire approval for grants. Uh, there's more. The, the key to acquiring is anything of economic value. And so we have to we have to get more than just housing as our way of economic growth. Uh, and what they're talking about here, a lot of people are just buying a house and thinking, well, they're, they're on their pathway to wealth. And what many people, even in the real estate investment uh, community, they're saying, no, you need to look at buying multifamily units. You need to look at investing in apartments, hotels. And we've had those conversations live here on the Black Equity Podcast. So he's not saying anything that we haven't you know, already heard. Now, what I want you to do is decide for yourself. What are the three things? That was my question. What are the three things that you believe are causing the racial wealth gap and how are you going to improve your own financial uh, outlook moving forward? How do you make sure your net worth is closer to uh, $130,000 than it is to 10000 How do we make sure we close that racial wealth gap? Now, what I've been doing, as I told you in our last episode, is I've been learning to acquire fi- uh, federal contracts by going through and having access to mympu.org, where in that community, they're teaching individuals how they can become uh, astute and become knowledgeable enough to uh, create opportunities uh, to attract uh, federal contracts. And so we just had a second second module, and I want to quickly give you my take on that. So within the mympu.org, we've had our first uh, session, uh, which is really great. What I like about this program is after you have a module, you're able to get together with other people who are going through the same module as you and have small strategy sessions. So you can discuss what you've learned and talk about what you've learned. And uh, for our first uh, meeting, I really enjoyed learning about different people from different walks of life. You have some people who already have some type of federal federal government experience. You have people who are working in logistics. You have just so many different backgrounds. And so what you'll find is these are going to be people you can lean on as they're going through the same process as you. You can lean on these people to ask questions or a particular area of expertise that they may be focusing on. Because, see, here's the thing. When you're going into federal uh, contracting, you're going to eventually start focusing on a particular industry or a particular focus. And so a lot of times your background can help to serve to deciding, well, what is that focus in that industry going to be? Right. So our first strategy session was awesome. 
Uh, it is uh, headed by Walter Cotton, the founder and the visionary for MyMPU.org. And basically, we're going around and we're talking and explaining, you know, who everybody is and what their interests are, and then going over module one and what our thoughts are. So then it leads into uh, then the, the module two being open for us to review. And the great thing about module two is it's going through the different tools that's within the course that we're going to be able to use. The different documentations that we're going to be able to use as we start looking to um, you know, attract strategic partnerships. So what are some of those um, documents or some of those things we'll have? And so he has list out the phase one agreement that we'll be using, the LLC operating agreement, which is key. This is going to be key because the LLC operating agreement is going to allow us to join, uh, to particularly work with joint ventures. It's going to give us an opportunity to work with other companies who are already doing federal contracting. And you'll only be able to, to do that if you have a solid agreement in place. He also talks about a referral approach, about working with companies and then being referred to uh, other companies who may be you know, better suited. And then a professional service value creation. So understanding, uh, is this going to be a really great fit for me? Uh, what is the value that could be created for both sides? So really what I'm learning in the second module is not just how to attract um, federal contracts. I'm really learning how to to operate business at the highest level. Because with these federal contracts, you're dealing with multi-million dollar contracts. Some are multi-billion dollar contracts. And so this is business at the highest level. It just happens to be going on through the federal government. And so these documents that are being handed in a second module, uh, it says here in module two of government contracting, uh, we unpack the essential tools you need to be successful in this arena. So this whole module is going through the documents that you're going to need to use in order to be successful. The phase one agreement, the LLC operating agreement, your referral approach and professional service value creation. So if this is something that interests you, I would head over to mympu.org and to learn more. If you want to continue listening to the journey, uh, at least once or twice a week, I want to make sure I'm giving you my experience going through this course. And I look forward to the other modules and then uh, eventually reaching out to uh, different businesses to create a strategic partnership, a joint venture, so we can go capture federal contracts together. So that's the beautiful part uh, about this. So why do I bring this up? How does this relate? Because I believe this is one way, because remember, acquisitions and acquiring is all about finding economic value. And if you're able to secure multi-million dollar federal contracts, if you're able to secure multi-billion dollar federal contracts, if you're able to create these relationships with multi-million dollar companies, multi-billion dollar companies, and you end up being that person that can work within within this arena, you are immediately going to shift the racial wealth gap. This is just one way. I'm not saying this is the only way. But a lot of people go through housing and starting your own business and all that great stuff. Here are the two things that I believe will help the racial wealth gap. 
Here's here's my final thoughts on this. I believe acquiring uh, companies and acquiring federal contracts are two of the strongest ways for you to play the game at the highest level. Then taking those resources and acquiring real estate with them. Now, I'm not giving you any type of financial advice. I'm not telling you to go do anything specifically. I'm just giving you what my three ways of closing the racial wealth gap is. And one of them is exactly what the gentleman in the article was talking about, investing in things that have some type of equity in it. He's investing in equity. So he's talking about stocks and things like that. And when I'm thinking equity, I'm thinking about companies that I actually own having 100% ownership or a majority ownership within a company. I'm thinking about having these relationships in the federal contracting space. I'm thinking about securing those contracts. Those are the types of things I think about in the, in the equity or the acquiring side. I think financial literacy is important, and I mentioned that before, so I would agree with him on that. And then taking that information and then acquiring commercial real estate acquiring these multi-family uh, units, acquiring apartment buildings, hotels, we talked about on, on previous episodes. Those are some of the things that I picture when I think about closing the, the racial wealth gap and then circulating that money within your own community. So <laughs> creating jobs within your own community, that's how you secure it, Cre- be a job creator. And so here is my, my biggest thing that I disagree with the article on. He talks about going and getting education so you can be more hireable, basically. And I'm saying, no, I want you to create jobs so you can hire others. And if you are actually hiring people, you know you're a lot closer to closing a racial wealth gap. But if you disagree with where I'm coming from, send us a message. Thank you for listening. I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm only here to study the culture and tell you what's in front of us. I thank you for listening to another great episode of the Black Equity Podcast. And this has been a nice uh, dive in, a quick dive in to the racial wealth gap that is facing our community. And there's some things in here that I wrote down to make sure we study for later. So make sure you pay close attention as we continue our Black Future Month series. Thank you. And we'll be talking again soon. If you are a Black-owned business or an investor and you would like to advertise on our show, go ahead and send us a message at djm at djmoultrie.com. Now, back to the show.